0: I want you to find two openings, and then I've got to give you a little testimony here before we get started. Proverbs 17, 2 Corinthians 2. Need to give you a little testimony. Some of you might know, most of you might not know, but the Lord introduced us to aviation just uh, April will be three years ago. We're not quite three years. And uh, I had had people in the past that had come up and said, uh, Brother Keith, I don't believe we you for an airplane. And I said, well, I really don't I don't have it on my heart. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't pursue that. I had even had a guy come one time and say, well, I'll, you know, I'll teach you how to fly. I won't charge anything. I said, well, I just don't have it on my heart. I'd seen other people get into aviation and then had to take all the faith they had to get out of it. And uh, you need to do things not just because somebody else did it, but because the Lord told you to do it. Well, just not quite three years ago, this this very time of the year, the Lord began to deal with me about aviation, and He prompted me to, to learn how to fly. Well, I wasn't too keen on the idea, cause uh, I uh, we had a real busy schedule, and I knew it was going to require a real commitment. And uh, it, I just couldn't get away from it. I knew I'd be disobedient if I didn't. So, um, you know, I began to take lessons. And you know, When I was in town and when I wasn't having a meeting or preaching, I was trying to learn how to fly, and believing the Lord to help me. And so not too long after that, the Lord dealt with us to, you know, claim a, an airplane. So we did. And as things progressed, we found, found out that... Uh, Brother Copeland's and Miss Gloria's Bonanza might be available, and so we and had a conversation with them about it, and felt they all felt good about us purchasing it, and, and so uh, we agreed to, and the problem was I didn't have much money. And uh, the Lord with death moved to the money and so forth, and we did, and uh, he dealt with me He said, you know too much about me being your source. You cannot borrow a dime on this. And so we just claimed it and believed for it. Now, I kid you not, it, it, didn't seem, it was not a lot of money compared to a lot of things, but it took all the faith we had to believe for that money. It seemed like the enemy really tried to bother us with it. Do you know the enemy can hinder some things? Paul talked about it. He said, I would have come to you once and again, but Satan hindered me. But you know what he can't do? If you won't quit, he cannot stop you. <laughs> cannot. Everybody say, cannot. cannot. He can do some stuff. You know, he's in the world. He can do some stuff. He can pull some strings and sometimes cause you a little delay or a problem. But he cannot, 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 cannot. stop you cannot. if you won't quit. Cannot. If you'll believe God and not, and not quit. Well, praise God the Lord helped us. We got the airplane. And uh, paid for it, and got a hanger, and paid for it, and we were just happy. And you know, during while we were doing that though, during while we believe it's taken all the faith we had to believe for this money, for this uh, extremely nice single engine airplane, the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I, claim a jet. Now that seemed ambitious. It's, you know, it's taken all the faith you got. To believe for this single engine. And uh, so we, uh, we did though. Out of obedience. We claimed a jet. wrote it down. Asked for one. Claimed one. And began to sow seed. We sowed some seed here on this airplane project. Some folk we're believing for. Sowed on another project. Sowed on another project. And uh, just a few weeks ago. The Lord uh, dealt with some folks. And they gave us a jet airplane. Hallelujah. So we have it. Amen. So I knew you'd want to know. I said, I knew you'd want to know. And just some encouragement, too. If you're believing God for something, it seemed like it's not that big of a project, but it, it was a challenge to you. Hey, the next project, though it was much bigger, could be a lot easier. Did you hear that? Because, see, faith is, is a progressive, and, and it develops exponentially. It, it, there's a multiplication thing happening here. And I know some of the, other, some of the small things that I believed for in years past, that was a lot harder than believing for the big stuff. Because you're getting grounded in faith and learning. And the enemy hits you the hardest sometimes at the beginning of the thing because he knows it's a lot easier to crush an acorn than it is an oak tree. <laughs> he tries to stop you when you're first getting started. And once you have breakthrough. breakthrough in an area another bigger breakthrough comes easier and the other breakthroughs come come easier well do you have your scriptures okay i sought the lord about what would be what he would have me to to minister and speak on tonight and you know sometimes we have our preferences what we would like and of course we want to know about the blessings of god Right? And we know we and we know he's a blesser. He's always got more, he's always got bigger, always got better. And I was a little surprised when he when he gave me what he gave me, but we want what he wants, right? And I, I do believe I've heard from him. Proverbs seventeen, are you there? And second Corinthians two we'll read these. How many believing with me tonight? Please do. (laughs) Proverbs 17, 2 Corinthians 2. Proverbs 17, the first verse, verse 1. It says, Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Let me read that one more time. Better is a dry morsel. How many know a dry morsel ain't much? (laughs) Dry crumbs, dry bite or two, dry handful. Not even a moist handful. Just dry handful. (laughs) Old dry (laughs) morsel, not much. But he said that's better. If you got quietness with it, than if you got a house full of sacrifices. Now, this is talking about, you know, uh, they sacrifice the oxen and the sheep and et cetera, et cetera. And then they, they would also have the sacrificial meals. They get to eat part of that. So this is, you know, steak and lamb chops and et cetera, et cetera, high caliber food and a house full of it. But with what? Strife. 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 Hold that thought. Look in Second Corinthians. The second chapter. Second Corinthians 2. Verse 11. Second Corinthians 2. 11. It just says this. Lest Satan... Should get an advantage of us. Is it possible for the enemy to get an advantage of you? Well, Paul said he was telling them some things to understand and to do lest the enemy should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his, Satan, the enemy's devices. This, I felt, summarized what the Lord was dealing with me about this evening as well as anything I I had thought of. He brought this to me. Something the Lord's been saying to me for over a year now, constantly, and he keeps bringing, bringing me back to it, brings it back up in me strong, has to do with exactly what we're sharing tonight. And in praying about prosperity and praying about these things, the Lord spoke to me about it a number of months ago as though it was already done. That wasn't even his concern. When you think about people, I mean, uh, Lot and Abraham. How many know that Lot's prosperity was affected by his connection with Abraham? Wasn't it? No question about it. And when he separated from Abraham, he wound up losing everything. His family, his substance, everything. His honor, dignity, everything. Did it make any difference that he, whether or not he stayed hooked up with the one God hooked him up with? The scripture said what God has joined together, what? Let not man separate or divide asunder. And we know that's true concerning marriages, but it's true concerning anything he's joined. Anything he's joined. We know that Joseph and Potiphar. Potiphar was blessed because Joseph worked for him. Uh, We know Laban and Jacob. Laban was blessed because Jacob worked for him. I mean, he got to the point where he said, I I can see God has blessed me because you're with me. Pled with him not to go. Naomi and Ruth. I'm going to believe Ruth's life was totally different because she stuck with Naomi. She stuck with her through the tough times, through the lean times. She stayed all the way. When, when her sister-in-law kissed her and said, well, bye, you know, I'm gone. And you know, even if people may tell you, if you feel like leaving and, and the people themselves may tell you, well, that's okay, you can go. Do you understand that doesn't mean God said it was okay? Even though pastors or ministers that the Lord told you to help, even if they themselves say, well, okay, that's all right, you can leave the church, you don't have to help here anymore, you can do this. That doesn't mean the Lord said it was okay. And there is such a thing about the connections, the joinings, and the prosperity are inseparable. They're, They're directly linked, and if we don't think that way, it's going to cost In praying about these things, months ago, the Lord, I I was praying about prosperity. I was praying about the the transfer of the wealth of the wicked. I am so excited about that. I just am ecstatic about it because it has already begun. I I know in my spirit it's already begun. We are talking huge, huge sums of money I know it I know it as well as I know what my name is I know I'm going to see some of it I know it. I know it as well as nobody can stop it no devil no man no government no system nothing can stop it I tell you, if I've ever been in faith about anything I'm in faith about this I know I am it and in praying about this the Lord spoke to me like it's done it's already in motion I, the sense I had, this is my own words now, the sense I had is that we've got it. And I know because of the the labors and because, like the scripture said, others have labored, you're entered into the fruits of their labors. Now the breakthrough has occurred. In the spirit, I, I, it's a done deal. And in talking to the Lord about it, he didn't even want to talk to me about it. I mean I was like You know I was talking to him Because he had given me some revelation About these things And, and, and I was hungry to know more and, and all he said to me It's done It's already begun It's done You know of course There's always people coming up That are babies And just learning about it But I mean there are Strong ministries There are people that understand faith They know it's the will of God to prosper They're on it They're sowing And they're not going to quit They're going li- to They've been living this way for years They're going to keep living this way It's done We've got it. It was lost to most of the body of Christ, but it's been restored. At least to a portion of the body. And we've got it. And we're not going to quit. We're on it. And so God, he, he knows then from the beginning, he said, it's done. It's already in motion. It's already happening. It's done. We've got to keep believing and keep sowing and keep walking like we've walked. But, but it's done. But you know what? He he spoke to me. He said, that's that's not What I want to talk to you about? That's done. Count it done. Just keep doing what you're doing. Count it done. This is the thing I want you to focus on. Relationships. Because this is the enemy's target. We're in a conflict. It's war. And the enemy is not as stupid as some people would try to portray him to be. He is a strategist. And he has a strategy, he has a plan. And this is, and I'm excited about it, even though it's a negative thing, I'm excited the Lord has revealed his strategy. Do you remember when uh, the, uh, the prophet came to the king of God's people and he said, you know, watch out because the enemy is going to be at such and such place tomorrow. So they were ready and they, their little ambush didn't work because they knew where they were going to be. Well, the next time it came up, he came again. He said, watch out, because they're going to come around this way. There's going to be this many, and they're going to be over here. And that happened so many times until the king said, hey, we've got a traitor. Somebody's giving away our military secrets. And one of them spoke up and said, no, it's not so. But there's a prophet in, in, in Israel, and he tells the king what you say in your bedchamber. How <laughs> I many know that's true today? We have an enemy. Who's arrayed against us. He's got a strategy. He's got a plan. But we got a God. Amen. And the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. And lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Word of the Lord tonight, here is a device. Here is a strategy that the enemy has in full motion as we speak tonight. He's been working on it. He's got it in motion. And it is to, to even step up on causing strife and causing division. Because it can effectually undermine the effects of the great prosperity. The enemy knows this. The enemy sees sometimes more than we do in the spirit. He sees the flood of finances. It's already moving to us. He's not happy about it. And he's going to keep fighting. Don't you misunderstand me. He loves that money. And it really chaffs him to see it come out of his hands into ours. But he knows that even though we have the money, that doesn't automatically make us powerful and effective. And here's his plan to cause us, though we might have tremendous resources and ability, here's his plan to cause us to be ineffective. And not do what we should do or just only do a small measure of what we could do. And it is through strife. Everybody say strife. Strife. I'm warning you tonight by the word of the Lord, watch out for it. The enemy has already been working and he's got plans to step it up. He's got plans to divide and conquer. To sever. I mean the master himself talked about that a kingdom or a house that is divided against itself, it can't stand. It can't. A church, a family, a ministry doesn't make any difference. If it is divided against itself, if there is strife, if there is arguments and fussing and division, it, it, it can't stand. It can't prosper. You know, I, I used to teach uh, concerning growing and developing spiritually. And I'd preach about feeding on the word and about exercising your spirit through different means and what have you. And I taught that for years. And finally, one day, the Lord said, You're not, to, there's another side of it you're not teaching that you need to teach. I thought, Well, what, Lord, I have something else to develop? He said, No. He said, You can do all that and not be strong. Well, I was shocked. He said, Because there are things that will drain you, it's kind of like a bathtub. How many know it's difficult to fill up the bathtub if you got the plug out? (laughs) I mean, if it's running out quick as it's running in, it's going to be very difficult to ever, ever fill that tub up. And spiritually speaking... You can feed on the Word, you can uh, speak in tongues, you can praise God, you can worship, you can read half the Bible. You can get so strong, you can feel like you're half floating, and you can get in a fuss with your husband or wife or your roommate or your kid or or your employee for 15 minutes and feel drained. Just feel like somebody's pulled the plug on you. I mean, it, it just runs out of you. The devil knows this. And it's one of his favorite weapons. Because it it is effective in making people weak. And it is effective in making the body weak. You and I individually are not the body of Christ. We're members in the body. And to to be the most powerful, to be the most effective, to be the most far-reaching, we have to work together. And I know that's been one of the most challenging things the church has ever faced. Is working together, and there's no need us, you know, pointing a finger at some denomination. How about Charismatics? How about Word and Faith folks? Any Word and Faith ministries or Charismatic ministries that got mad at another one and had a falling out and wouldn't work with them anymore, wouldn't do meetings anymore? Or too many to talk about, and as a result, there's weakness. There's ineffectiveness. And there is is there there is great, great wealth moving to us. But is it true that better a dry handful with peace and quiet than a house full and strife and hatred there? Is Is it true? Is it better? So it's not just money. I mean, you can have millions in the bank. You can have stuff coming out your ears. And your house be a place of torment. Right? And what if, you, what if your marriage fails? And there's a breakdown of your relationship with your kids. And you, your co-workers. Or your fellow ministers. Or you can't get along with people in the church. I'm telling you, this is the play of the enemy at this hour. But we're not ignorant. I said, we're not ignorant. And we don't have to fall prey to it. We can overcome. We don't have to yield to it. We can resist it. I said, we can resist it. The enemy can't just waltz into a ministry and cause strife. The enemy can't just waltz into a church and cause strife. The enemy can't just come into a household and cause strife. He does not have that ability. Him and half his demons could not come to your house and cause strife by themselves. They can't. The only way that they can can influence strife is somebody has got to yield to them. Somebody in your family has got to yield to them. Somebody in the church has got to yield to them. Somebody in the ministry has got to yield to them. Then and only then can they have an influence. They want to talk. They want to express. They want to influence. But if nobody will yield to them, it's like they're not even there. And that's what we want. I said, that's what we want. To give them no voice, give them no place, neither give the enemy any place, don't give him any place. How many of that's your desire? Have you ever realized that you let the enemy use you? That's one of the most sickening feelings, to realize that you let him use your mouth. That he brought thoughts to you and you just said them. And it hurt people and it caused problems because you weren't thinking and because you were being carnal. And you wound up being a spokesperson for the enemy. And you know I don't care who you are. If you don't control yourself, you can. Do you know you can yield to the Holy Ghost in the morning and yield to to the enemy that afternoon? It's possible. You ought not to. We ought not to. But you can. Everybody say strife. strife. We ought to be so intolerant of strife. Now in studying this, I, I always like to find, you know, when you, when you see a problem, that's not the end. Let's fix it. Right? What causes this and what's going to fix it? What causes strife? Strife. There's some real basic things I want to share with you tonight and then share with you how to avoid it and overcome it. One of the most basic one-word answers I can give you about what causes strife is just simply this, anger. Anger. And when I say anger, I mean, qualified, the wrath of man. Remember James talks about, first chapter, the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. When you get angry, you need to really check up on why you are. A lot of people holler in righteous indignation, and it is nothing but carnal anger. There can be such a thing. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord can come on you and you be angry. But a whole lot of times, that's not the case. <laughs> it's just flesh, flesh, and more flesh. <laughs> and the wrath of man does not work the right things and the righteousness of God. Listen to the scripture. Proverbs 15, 18, don't turn there, but it says, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that's slow to anger appeases strife. Did you hear that? If you can control your temper and be slow to get hot, you can actually appease strife when it's trying to come. How many know it takes two to party? Right? And if somebody's wanting to get hot and they're wanting to start something, and if you can just stay cool, even though you how many know even though you feel mad, you don't have to act mad? Is that true? Depends on how fleshly you are. Absolutely. Even though you might be hot, sometimes you can get to the point where you just have to smile and go. I'm going to go away a little while now. <laughs> and I'll talk to you later. Okay? Bye. If you, you, you have to know your threshold. Know where you're at. But he that is slow. Everybody say slow. Slow, slow to anger. Appeases strife. A wrathful man stirs up strife. Who's causing the strife in our midst? The angry folks. The angry people. The mad people. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 22. Says it again, 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Angry. You shouldn't get angry very often. You shouldn't let yourself. And even if you do, what does the Bible say? Be angry and what? Sin not. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He gives you a little while to take care of it if you're having trouble. But not too long. Maybe you had to go away a little while. But not for three days. Not even for 24 hours. Right? Don't you come back fuming three days later. Hmm? If you are, what are you doing? You're yielding to the devil. And you're, you're being the agent of the devil to cause strife in your house. Or in your church. How many of, of people, now don't, let, don't lift your hand, don't want any testimonies right now. But people <laughs> that got mad about stuff. And they stayed mad for days and for weeks. And months they stayed mad about that deal. You just look at them and tell they're not right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Their countenance. Well, people ask you, what's wrong with them? And the bottom line is that they're mad about something. They are strife causers. They are instruments of the enemy. Yeah, but so-and-so's a minister. They talk in tongues, like I said. Strife causers. How many understand there's no excuse for you staying mad? Staying huffy and miffed about something. You are, in that case, the instrument of strife. And I'm telling you, the Lord hates it. I use that word advisedly. I'm quoting scripture. How many remember the scripture said, among other things, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren, God hates. The scripture said he hates it. Well that's strong language isn't it? I don't want to be in that category of somebody that causes discord. And somebody that is an instrument of strife. We want to be a peacemaker. Right? Well there's a number of reasons why people get mad. And some of the most basic ones are, and there's a We can expand from this. But pride and selfishness goes right with that. Pride and selfishness can't be too far apart. And then also we're going to talk about this one quite a bit. Envy and jealousy. And as I studied this, I could see why this is such an issue right now. Because as you prosper and as you are promoted... There's more opportunity for the enemy to deal with folk to envy. And that is a principal cause of strife. And no matter how loaded we might be, and no matter how much equipment we might have and stuff we might have, if we're just by ourselves and nobody will work with us, we can't work with anybody, we'll never reach the potential of results. That we should have and could have. Never. And the devil knows that. It's not just about money. You can have all the money you could ever possibly use and not fulfill your potential. I mean, we all know that there's people that's got tons of money. There are people in the world with tons of money doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Nothing. So it's not just the money, but it's the heart. And it's the faith, it's the vision, and it's the connections. Connections. Everybody say connections. Yes. What God has joined together. What's the rest of it? Yes. Don't let anything, don't let anybody, don't let any situation sever you or separate you from what God has joined you in your family. But how many of we live in a generation that is quick to separate themselves? Why is the divorce rate so high? I mean, why is it that such a high number of marriages do not make it? One of the principal reasons, it's not the only reason, but one reason is because some people do, they try to make things work and there are other situations that don't work out and so they wind up. But a lot of people are just way too quick to say, okay, that's it, I'm out of here. Whether it's a job, whether it's a position in the church, whether it's a family. It's uncomfortable, it's tough, I'm gone. But you have to watch about that because you you can jump out of the perfect will of God. Then what what are you going to do then? People struggle. The connections are not there. Did Lot have problems when he left Abraham? Was his prosperity connected with this man? We'll see what it was connected with was God's perfect will for his life and perfect plan for his life, which happened to be in being connected and helping Abraham. Everybody say anger. anger. Pride can be a source of anger, and also jealousy and envy. Let me just jump right to this ugly one. (laughs) We could talk about pride, but that's another day, another sermon. Let's talk about envy, because I really felt like that this was what the Lord wanted us to focus on tonight. Now, for some time I have thought about the difference between envy and jealousy. And it's not always that evident from looking at some things, the differences. And of course... You know, it was originally in Hebrew and Chaldean and Greek and now English and you have to look up a few things. But basically, I like to simplify things. Basically, envy has to do, it literally means to look against. And it means to look with ill will towards somebody else. You look at them in a negative way. Ill will sense. To look against. That's what it literally means. Whereas jealousy just simply means heat. Hot. To burn. And you'll find jealousy inseparable from anger. You show me somebody who's genuinely jealous, I'll show you somebody who's mad. Right? Hot. Somebody gets jealous, they get mad. They get hot. And jealousy concerns those things that you feel are your own. But envy concerns that which is another. You hear people talking about they're jealous because That's, that's my wife, my husband, my this, my land, my property. Jealousy. But envy deals with another man's possessions. Let me give you some more definition. Envy is pained at seeing what another has. How many of you understand how ungodly that is? To be pained at seeing what another has. One definition says it like this. Painful or resentful awareness... Of an advantage enjoyed by another. Joined with a desire to possess that same advantage. Jealousy has to do with protection or feeling like something you have or something that's yours has been violated. But envy has to do with something that somebody else has that you want. You think should be yours. Or you just want it. You want you to have it. You don't want them to have it. That's envy. And it is a principal source of strife. Everybody say envy. Envy. This is a huge thing. Let me read some scriptures to you. The, the apostle Paul, for instance, how many know that nearly every place he went, he had revival and riots? <laughs> huh? Pretty much. Everywhere he went, he had both. He had a move of God. He had miracles. He built churches. And he had riots. And when I say riots, I don't mean four people out with posters. I mean the streets full of people screaming bloody murder, as they say, people with murder in their eyes. Now it's obvious that, the, that demons were inciting this. I mean, think about some of the extent that some of the people that, that were the leaders of the riots were educated, influential, people in high positions in the city. And yet the Bible talks about them getting to the place where they ripped their clothes and threw dust in the air. <laughs> they're beyond words. What are they? They are demon inspired, influ I mean, they're in the throes of demonic control. But how did they get like that? Envy. That's not my conclusion. That's the scripture. Listen. Acts thirteen forty five. You don't have to turn there, but it says Acts thirteen forty five. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And they spoke against the things that were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Acts 17:5. You can just jot them down and listen if you would. 17:5. But the Jews, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Because of what? Envy. Envy. Tell me again, what, what is envy? Envy is when you see what somebody else has and it grieves you that they have it and you don't. That's envy. And it is one of the most demonic, satanic, destructive things that has worked against the body of Christ. And the problem is it has been so effectual. And I'm telling you, like, you know, I've already said it, and you may think I'm just being repetitious, but I'm telling you by the Word of the Lord, I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, an assault of it has already begun to counteract the flood of prosperity. This is the devil's answer to our breakthroughs. And I, I may, it might sound, might sound funny to you, but I'm excited that we know about it. If the Lord has spoken to me about this once, He's spoken to me about it scores of times just in this last year long. People around me, they'll tell you I keep bringing it up. We talk about prosperity, and I can't talk about it very long. I have to say relationships. The Lord says relationships. Relationships. He's not even concerned about the prosperity. In His mind, it's done. It's here. The breakthroughs, the flood, it's the wealth of the sinner, it's moving away. But it is The relationships that are on the Lord's heart. Because he knows the cost that will occur if we don't stand against it and not allow this strife to destroy us. And you you have to make up your mind ahead of time. Because things can happen that rub your flesh the wrong way so hard. That if you don't purpose not to get into the strife... You will without planning to. The devil hates these connections. If there's one thing he can't stand, it's to see a bunch of God's people getting along. Man, it chafes him. He fears it too, because there's such strength in unity. I don't have all the graces and gifts. And anointings. You don't have them all, but you put us all together. we got it all. I put my shoulder against something, it might not move too quick. But somebody else can put their shoulder against somebody else. And all of us put our shoulder against it. It's going to move. Right? There is power in unified faith. And like they said at the construction of the Tower of Babel, when when they're one mind and they're one language and they're all saying the same thing, nothing they've conceived and imagined can be restrained from them. And the vision that God gives us and the plan that He gives us cannot be prevented, cannot be stopped when we're as one. It's no coincidence that so many times in the book of Acts that when they were in one place, one mind, one accord, the Spirit of God fell. Great revelation came, great manifestations, spectacular things happened. And when we're all all financed to the hilt, we can go anywhere, we can do anything, but we're together in spirit and heart, who's going to stop us? I said, who's going to stop us? Now, you need to be prepared for for envy where the prosperity is concerned. You might say, well, don't confess that over me, Brother Keith. I I have to say it. How many know the Bible talks about that anything that you, you sow and you give and you leave for the kingdom of God's sake, you'll receive now in this time a hundredfold with? I know you don't like it. I don't want to hear it either, but there it is. <laughs> right? And listen to Ecclesiastes 4.4. 4. He said, I considered all travail and every right work, And that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is vanity and vexation of spirit. How many believe in the hundredfold return? So did Isaac. (laughs) Go back to Genesis 26 real quickly. (laughs) Genesis 26, 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. And he received in the same year a hundredfold. Does it happen? Yes, it happens. Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year, in the same year, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. I like it. For he had possession. Somebody said, well, maybe that just meant that he was, he was great in the spirit. It, it goes together. I said it goes together. When it, but it, it's, a, it's a colon there. He became very great colon for he had possession of flocks, possessions of herds, and great store of servants and everybody felt glad for him. <laughs> and said, I like that Isaac. He is blessed of the Lord. Ain't y'all glad for Isaac? No, the Philistines... Envied him. And they didn't just grumble in their house about it. They envied him, and for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped them and filled them with dirt. This is out in the desert. Water is, is more precious than gold. And these Philistines are filling up wells of water with dirt. Why? Because it chafed them so bad that Isaac, a man of God, was so blessed of God that he had more than they did. Everybody say envy. And that wasn't the end of it. Abimelech, who was the king of the Philistines. He said he came to Isaac. I guess he came with his entourage, with his chariots, with great pomp and circumstance. And Isaac came out to meet him and probably put on a big feast. And they all sat down and eventually got to the, you know, uh, what what brings you to me today, Uh, King Abimelech. And he said, well, Isaac... We would like for you to move. (laughs) Come again? We we would like for you to move. Go from us. Why? Why? Because you're causing problems? No, they weren't causing problems. For you are much mightier than we. We're talking about mighty in wealth. He didn't have huge armies. We're talking about mighty in wealth. See, sinners and people that are not established in God, their mark on the world, their wealth, their possessions, that's all the identity they have. And if you get more than them, they, they get so insecure, they can't stand it. The envy begins to chew their insides out. And the Lord's begin to deal with me about this. I mean, I, He knows the future. But every time I, I claim certain things concerning revelation, He says, it's coming. But uh, it's going to be different than you think. Because cutting-edge revelation... Not everybody shouts when you preach it. (laughs) People like things they're used to. They're comfortable with. Yeah, glory to God. Yeah, all right. But when it's something new that requires change and it totally turns your thinking upside down, folk usually sit there like the proverbial cow at the new gate. It's like, huh? And it doesn't make any difference how well you do it. How many believe Jesus did it well? He taught well. And there were days most of his crowd got up and walked off. Thinking, that's a hard deal there. Who can handle that? Didn't they? Everybody but the twelve. And he looked at them and go, y'all going too? And they looked up and said, well, uh, where would we go? Only reason they hadn't left, they hadn't figured out where to go. (laughs) No, they didn't have enough sense to know he had the words of life. But they didn't understand it. They they were confused. And the possessions and the things, the breakthrough is here. The fullness and the overflow. But uh, not all your neighbors are going to be happy about it. They're not. I wish I could tell you they are. One way you can help counter it is by being very, very humble. Amen? amen. And loving people. Yes. Being a giver. Yes. Being generous. Yes. Amen? amen? And not changing fleshly as God blesses you and prospers you. Can you say amen? Amen. Now back to this. The real thing that is the issue is the strife amongst ourselves. Yeah, there's going to be folk that would envy us and uh, even people that might try to harm us when they see certain individuals getting into certain places in prosperity because mostly preachers and ministers hadn't been a threat. They've been so far below where most of these folk are operating. They never think about us. That's changing. I said, That's changing. And there's going to be so much wealth come into our hands that people are going to look up and go, what is the deal? People that never thought of, second thought about God are going to stop finding out who the Copelands are and who this one is. And they're going to begin to wonder, what, what's the deal? Because when large sums of money come, uh, people come out of the woodwork. You get calls from people that you never, would have never even thought about you last year. And there are going to be people that are going to be moved to envy. But that's not our real threat. Even if they try to hurt us, no weapon formed against us will prosper. None. If we keep obeying God, do what He tells us to do, no weapon formed against us will prosper. The problem, the big threat, is from our own midst people in our own ministries, people in our own churches, people in our own families. This is the threat. This is the problem. The Bible said concerning Moses and Aaron in Psalm 106, it says they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. How many remember the story about Korah and Dathan and Abiram and how that They caused a big insurrection. Do you know that the the enemy goes for the people of position? The Bible says they were famous in the congregation. In a church, when the enemy wants to cause strife and problems, he doesn't just go for the guy that got saved last week, he goes for the associate pastor, the minister of music. Are you listening? Somebody that, that the people love and look to and, and have some measure of respect, and he wants to cause strife there. And how can you begin to tell? Now, to see if I'm preaching in vain here or not, which I don't believe I am, but how can you begin to tell when it's working? What's one of your telltale signs? Starts with an A anger. Anger. When you begin to have that anger, what's bugging you? Somebody got the promotion you thought you should have. Somebody gets to do things that you you thought you would do. Are you listening? That authority for that was transferred to this this department. This other area, that this project that you had on your heart was cancelled. And if there's an anger that comes there and it begins to burn and it begins to persist, envy is working on you. Now just because it comes to you and, and tries to work on you doesn't mean you've failed, doesn't mean you've sinned until you yield to it. Did you hear me now? Don't feel like, well man, I've utterly failed. I, yeah, it made me angry. You got flesh. You're at different stages of development. No, just because a temptation is not sin. It's when you yield to it. When you, just, you, you, when you recognize it, you've you got to stop it right there and go, No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have no right to feel this way. Just because you feel the way doesn't mean you have to yield to it. How many of you, know you can feel sad and praise God by faith? Right? You can feel defeated and get up and say, I'm victorious. You can feel sick and say, I'm healed. You can feel and look broke and say, I am the prosperous of God. Well, see, this works exactly this way. You can feel mad, miffed, and you can say to yourself, self, you've got no right to feel this way. Yeah, but you already feel this way. That means nothing. I am not yielding to this. I'm not yielding to this. i got no right to feel. God's been good to me. Amen? And if so-and-so's been blessed, or if they have something, more power to them. How many know it's a, it's a, it, it means you're a small person when you begrudge somebody their blessing? Doesn't it? You know, I, one of the first cars, it was a used car, but it was a nice used car. That Phyllis and I believed for and we the Lord blessed us with it and we got it. And the guy that was helping me in healing school, man, he got so excited. He ran around the room, he shouted. I mean a lot more than I did. He praised God. He ran up down the aisles. He said, You got it. That's it out there. And I said, Yeah, oh glory to God. He ran around the room again. <laughs> I mean he praised God a lot more than I did. And I was thankful. And finally he stopped. He said, uh, he said, you know one reason I'm shouting? I said, why? He said, I'm in the same blessing line you're in. He said, you're just a few places up ahead of me, but I'm in the line. You got started before I did, but I'm in the line. My time's coming. Hallelujah. How many know that it is deception to think because somebody else got blessed, you can't be blessed? I mean, God's not going to run out of blessings before He gets to you, is He? You see everybody being blessed and you go, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, i got to get my blessing before they run out. No, no, God's not going to run out. (laughs) And if it's stuff, if it's things, they'll make new ones every day and the new ones are improved. Yeah, but they they believe for a new car and they already got theirs. Yeah, but by the time you get yours, it'll have new stuff on it. Options they didn't have last year. Faith is always positive. No cause for envy. How can you tell when envy is working on you now? Tell me again. Anger. Anger. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not a real strong thing, it's just kind of a lull of a thing. When you think about them, you don't want to go hug them. <laughs> when you think about them, and you think about how they got blessed, you, it don't, you don't smile. I've had, I've had the Lord bless us with things before, and I would start to, to testify to somebody and tell them what the Lord did. Because, you know, when God does something good for you, you want to tell it. Yeah. Right? Now, that's one of the things about family. You want to share. I mean, if a great thing happened to you, what's the first thing you want to do? Pick up the phone, call somebody, tell them. And you, like, what do you want the person on the other end to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't, you don't want them to go. Oh. <laughs> okay. I have, t- I have shared testimonies with people before, and they looked at me and they went. Oh, praise God. Well, that's good, brother. I'm, I'm glad for you. And you know, it's chafing them. It's bothering them. What, what's bothering them? What is bothering them? Let's, let's break this down and let's analyze it. What is bothering them? Exactly. Exactly. I got it. They want it. But why don't they want me to have it? Why can't we both have it? Right? Man, this is as old as mankind. This is as old as the angels of God. This is what happened to the enemy he became envious of his creator. Envious of the one who gave him his, his existence. And the first murder that ever occurred. Why did it happen? Envy. And the Lord. what did the Lord tell him? He said, do you do well to be angry? He said, if you do well, won't it be accepted? And if not, sin's laying at the door. It's laying for you. What would have been the first telltale sign? When his offering wasn't accepted, and his brother's was, and he got angry. He got angry. And instead of resisting it, he yielded to it. And he fumed, and he fumed, and he fumed. And when you're fuming, you are incubating sin. When it conceives, it brings forth death. In some form or fashion. strife. I had the Lord say this to me one time. I was studying about the Spirit of God and how, the, how many times the word peace is used in connection with Him. He is the Spirit of peace. I mean, how many of the Holy Ghost could have came in a bodily shape and form as a lion or an elephant or whatever when He came on Jesus? Because He's big, He's strong, He's powerful, but He came in the form of a dove. Universal universal symbol of peace. And the Lord said to me, peace True peace is the manifest presence of God. And you know it is. So many times when we say, man, I sense the presence of God. A lot of times you just want to kind of slide down in your chair. You You sense the glory and peace is there. Peace. Peace that the world cannot find in a bottle or a pill or a possession. Peace. But he said this to me. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And and, and all of us have experienced it, whether it was strife in your house, in your marriage, with your kids, on the job. How many know what presence is there? When there is fussing and fighting and arguing and anger and hatred, the devil is not just there. He's in manifestation. The manifest presence. How many despise the presence of the devil? We ought to not give it any place. No matter what happens or doesn't happen, let's not be ignorant of his devices. Let's see what's going on. So many times things are tests. And if we know what's going on, we have the advantage. We're not at a disadvantage. And that's why I'm preaching to you tonight. That's what the Lord is talking to us about. Be aware. Know what's going on. When something comes up and you think, well, i am in believing for that for X amount of time and they just got started two weeks ago and theirs is already here and, and I don't understand. Well, maybe you don't understand, but don't get envious. Be glad they got it. Right? Can you genuinely be glad? If you can't genuinely be glad at another's blessing and prosperity, you are undermining your own. Absolutely you are. You are. You're undermining your own prosperity. Because faith works by what? Love. And love doesn't seek its own. Love rejoices. Amen. At another's blessing. Love is If love had to choose between me and you having, it'll say, well, you have it. And faith will say, yeah, you go ahead and have it. I'll believe for another one. Right? Right? But selfishness and doubt and fear says, hey, mine's is mine, and there may not another one come along. Ain't no way you're getting it. In fact, I'm just going to take yours too. (laughs) Now that's the world, but we're not the world. We are not the world. We're in the world. We are not of the world. We must not let the spirit of the world get in us or influence us. It's amazing you know, some of the people think, well, if I had money, if I had money, I'd be more liberal, but there are people that have been multi billionaires, and the more they got, the stingier they got. No, money doesn't free you. Money doesn't make you a good person. It's the things of God. It's the love of God. It's the peace of God. It's the direction of the spirit. It's exciting. That there is this breakthrough of prosperity. It's exciting that the overflows upon us. It's exciting that a flood of finances is pouring out on us and the wealth of the sinner is actually being transferred as we speak. It, it is happening. It is happening. Are you going to have a bunch of it? Yes. I am. You have to claim your own now. Everybody has to claim that. I, I am. But will that solve all your problems? No. Will that straighten everything out? It won't. You can have money coming out your ears. But if you can't get along with your wife, your husband, your kids, your fellow workers in your church and your ministry, money won't mean a thing. It won't do you any good. Oh, but the favor of God. He said, Better is a, is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full and strife in it. But how many know there's something better than either one of those? That's right. A house full and the guest house full. (laughs) And the storehouse is full and the vacation house is full. And the presence of God over the whole thing and the peace of God. Amen. How good. How pleasant it is. Brethren dwelling together in unity. It's like the anointing oil that flowed down the high priest's head and down to the skirts of his garment. And we can have it. We can have it all. We can have the millions and the billions and we can have the peace of God. We can be so rich it makes the world mad. But we can love each other and treat each other good. We can even treat the world so good they have trouble hating us. Right? Just love them. so they ain't no defense against love. They can sit up in their house and be mad at us. But next time they see us, we just treat them so nice and so good that they have trouble. They have to work it up again. <laughs> they lose all their anger while they're looking at us. <laughs> Keep that up and they'll get saved. Prosperity can be a witness. The Bible talks about it. We are forewarned. We are forearmed. The word of the Lord is ours. The peace of the Lord is ours. We do not have to be flesh ruled. We do not have to be anger dominated. We can control our flesh. We can control our mouth. Amen. Amen. And in the most trying of situations, we can be slow to anger. And even if it costs us materially, we can value people and value relationships and value connections far above money, far above stuff. And if necessary, we'll be the ones that walk in love. We'll be the ones that say, I'll pay it. I'll take care of it. I just want you and me to be okay. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge